0: Be sure to follow Send Me To Sleep on your preferred podcast
1: player so you never miss an episode and a good night's rest. Welcome to Send Me To Sleep, the place to find a good night's rest. My name's
0: Andrew, I'm so pleased you've joined us tonight and taken this time for
1: yourself to ensure you get a peaceful night's sleep. Tonight, I'll be reading Emily Clines, Chapter 17, If a Body, Kiss a Body, and Chapter 18, Circumstantial Evidence. In the last chapter, Emily wrote all about her winter months in Shrewsbury and New Moon.
0: In these chapters... Emily finds herself in the
1: family court of judgement. If you haven't already, find a nice place to get cosy. Take a deep, relaxing breath. And settle your body in whatever way feels most comfortable. Now all you'll need to do is follow the sound of my voice. so let your eyes fall heavy and your breath soften as we settle in for a peaceful night's sleep. Chapter 17 If a body kiss a body. It was half past ten o'clock and Emily realised with a sigh that she must
0: go to bed. When she had come in at half past nine from Alice Kennedy's thimble party, she asked permission of Aunt Ruth to sit up an hour later to do some special
1: studying. Aunt Ruth had consented reluctantly and suspiciously, and had gone to
0: bed herself with sundry warnings regarding candles and matches. Emily had studied diligently for 45 minutes and written poetry for 15. The poem burned for completion,
1: but Emily resolutely pushed her portfolio away. At that moment, she
0: remembered that she had left her jimmy book in her school bag in the dining room. This would never do. Aunt Ruth would be down before her in the morning and would inevitably examine the book bag, find the jimmy book and read it. There were things in that jimmy book It was well Aunt Ruth should not see.
1: She must slip down and bring it up. Very quietly, she opened her door and
0: tiptoed downstairs, in anguish at every creaking step. Aunt Ruth, who slept in the big front bedroom at the other end of the hall, would surely hear those creaks. They were enough to waken the dead.
1: They did not waken Aunt Ruth, however, and Emily reached the dining room, found her book bag, and was just going to return when she happened to glance at the mantelpiece. There, propped up against the clock, was a letter for her, which had evidently come in the evening mail. A nice, thin letter with the address of a magazine in the corner.
0: Emily set her candle on the table, tore open
1: the letter, found the acceptance of a poem and a cheque for three dollars. Acceptances, especially acceptances with a cheque were still
0: such rare occurrences with our Emily that they always made her a little crazy. She forgot Aunt Ruth, she forgot that it was nearing eleven o'clock. She stood there,
1: entranced, reading over and over the brief editorial note. Brief, but, oh, how sweet. Your charming poem. We would like to see more of your work. Oh yes, indeed. They should see more of it. Emily turned with a start. Was that a tap at the door? No, at the window. Who? What? The next moment. She was aware that Perry
0: was standing on the side veranda, grinning at her through the window. She was at it in a flash and was out pausing to think, still in the exhilaration of her
1: acceptance. She slipped the catch and pushed the window up. She knew where Perry had been and was dying to know how he had got along. He had been
0: invited to dinner with Dr Hardy in the fine Queen Street house. This was considered a great honour, and very few students ever received it. Perry owed the invitation to his brilliant speech at the inter-school debate.
1: Dr Hardy had heard it and decided that here was a coming man. Perry
0: had been enormously proud of the invitation and had bragged of it to Teddy and Emily. Not Ilsa, who had not yet forgiven him for his tactlessness on the night of the debate. Emily had been pleased, but had warned Perry that he would need to watch his step at Dr. Hardy's. She felt some qualms in regards to his etiquette. But Perry had felt none.
1: He would be all right, he loftily declared. Perry perched himself on the window pill,
0: and Emily sat down on the corner of the sofa, reminding herself that it could only be for a minute. Saw the light in the window as I went past, said Perry so I thought I'd just take a sneak round to the side and see if it was you.
1: Wanted to tell you the tale while it was fresh. Say, Emily, you were right. R-I-G-H-T. I I should smile. I wouldn't go through this evening again for a hundred dollars. How did you get along? asked Emily anxiously. In a
0: sense, she felt responsible for Perry's manners, such
1: as he had acquired at New Moon. Perry grinned. It's a heart-rending tale. I've had a lot of conceit taken out of me. I suppose you'll say that's a good thing. You could spare some, said Emily coolly. Perry shrugged his shoulders. Well, I'll tell you
0: all about it if you won't tell Ilse or Teddy. I'm not going to have them laughing at me. I went to Queen Street at the proper time. I remembered all you said
1: about boots and ties and nails. And handkerchiefs, and I was all right outside. When I got to the house, my troubles began. It was so big and splendid, I felt strange. Not afraid, I wasn't afraid then, but just a bit as if I was ready to jump, like a strange cat when you try to pat it. I rang the bell, of course, it stuck up and kept on ringing like mad. I could hear
0: it away down the hall, and thinks I, they'll think I don't know any better than to keep on ringing till somebody comes, and that rattled me. The maid rattled me still more. I didn't know whether I ought to shake
1: hands with her or not. Oh, Perry. Well, I didn't. I never was to a house where there was a maid like that before. All dolled up with a cap and a finickety little apron. She made me feel like thirty cents. Did you shake hands with her? No. Emily gave a sigh of relief. She held the door open and I went in. I didn't know what
0: to do then. Guess I'd have stood there till I root. Only Dr. Hardy himself come. Came through the hall. He shook hands and showed me where to put my hat and coat, and then he took me into the parlour to meet his wife. The floor was as slippery as ice, and just as I stepped on the rug inside the parlour door, it went clean from under me, and down I went
1: and slid across the floor, feet foremost right to Mrs. Hardy. I was on
0: my back, not on my stomach, or it would have been
1: quite the proper caper, wouldn't it? Emily couldn't laugh. Oh, Perry. Great snakes, Emily.
0: It wasn't my fault. All the etiquette in the world couldn't
1: have prevented it. Of course, I felt like a fool, but I got up and laughed. Nobody else laughed. They were all decent.
0: Mrs. Hardy was smooth as wax, hoped I hadn't hurt myself. And Dr. Hardy said he had slipped the same way. More than once, after they had given up their good old carpets and taken to rugs and hard wood. I was scared to move, so I sat down in the
1: nearest chair, and there was a dog on it, Mrs. Hardy's peak. Oh, I didn't kill it. I got the worst scare of the two.
0: By the time I had made port in another chair, the sw- perspiration, was just pouring down my face. Some more folks arrived just then, so that kind of took the edge off me, and I had time to get my bearings. I found I had about ten pairs of hands and feet, and my boots were too big of course.
1: Then I found myself with my hands in my pockets, whistling. Emily began to say, Oh Perry, but bit it off and swallowed it. What was the use of saying anything? I knew that wasn't proper, so I
0: stopped and took my hands out and began to bite my nails. Finally, I put my hands underneath me and sat on them. I doubled my feet back under my chair and I sat like that till we went out to dinner. Sat like that when a fat old lady waddled
1: in and all the other fellows stood up. I didn't, didn't see any reason for it. There was plenty of chairs. But later on,
0: it occurred to me that it was some etiquette stunt, and I ought
1: to have got up too, shouldn't I? Of course, said Emily, wearily.
0: Don't you remember how Ilse used to rag you about that very thing?
1: Oh, I'd forgotten. Ilse was always jawing about something.
0: But live and learn, I won't forget again, you bet. There were three or four other boys there. The new French teacher and a couple of bankers and some ladies. I got out to dinner without falling over the floor and got into a chair between Mrs. Hardy
1: And the aforesaid old lady. I gave one look over that table, and then, Emily,
0: I knew what it was to be afraid of at last, all right.
1: I never knew it before, honest. It's an awful feeling. I was in a regular funk.
0: I used to think you carried fierce style at New Moon. When you had company, but I never saw anything like that table. And everything so dazzling and glittering, and enough forks and spoons and things at one place to fit everybody out. There was a piece of bread folded in my napkin and it fell out and went skating over the floor. I could feel myself turning red all over my face and neck. I
1: suppose you call it blushing. I never blushed before. Before. That I remember. I
0: didn't know whether I ought to get up and go and pick it up or not. Then the maid brought me another one. I used the wrong spoon to eat my soup with but I tried to remember what your Aunt Laura said about the proper way to eat soup. I'd get on all right for a few spoonfuls. Then I'd get interested in something somebody was saying and go gulp.
1: Did you tilt your plate to get the last spoonful? asked Emily, despairingly. No. I was just going to, when I remembered it wasn't proper. I hated to lose it too. It was awful good soup, and I was hungry. The good old do wagger next to me did.
0: I got on pretty well with the meat and vegetables, except once. I had packed a load of meat and potatoes on my fork And just as I lifted it, I saw Mrs. Hardy eyeing it, and I remembered I oughtn't to have loaded up my fork, and I jumped, and it all fell off in my napkin. I didn't know whether it would be etiquette to scrape it
1: up and put it back on my plate, so I left it there. The pudding was all right, only. I ate it with a spoon, my soup spoon, and everyone else set theirs with a fork.
0: But it tasted just as good one way as the other, and I was
1: getting reckless. You always use spoons at New moon to eat pudding. Why didn't you watch what the others did and imitate them? Too rattled, but I'll say this, for all the
0: style, the eats weren't a bit better than you have at New Moon. No, nor as good by a jugful. Your Aunt Elizabeth's cooking would knock the spots off the Hardies every time, and they didn't give you too much of anything.
1: After the dinner was over, We went back to the parlour, they called it living room, and things weren't so bad. I didn't do anything out of the way, except knock over a bookcase. Perry? Well, it was wobbly. I was leaning against it, talking to Mr Hardy,
0: and I suppose I leaned too hard. For the blooming thing went over, but writing it and getting the books back
1: seemed to loosen me up, and I wasn't so tongue-tied after that. I got on not too bad, only every once in a long while I'd let slip a bit of slang before I could catch it. I tell you. I wished I'd taken your advice about talking slang.
0: Once the fat old lady agreed with something I'd said. She had sense, if she did have three chins. And I was so tickled to find her on my side, I got excited
1: and said to her, You bet your boots before I thought. And I guess I bragged a bit. Do I brag too much, Emily? This question had never presented itself to Perry before. You do, said Emily candidly, and it's very bad form. Well, I felt kind of cheap after I'd done it. I guess I've got an awful lot to
0: learn yet, Emily. I'm going to buy a book on etiquette
1: and learn it off by heart. No more evenings like this for me. But it was better at the last.
0: Jimmy Hardy took me off to the den, and we played checkers, and I licked him dizzy. Nothing wrong with my checker etiquette, I tell you. And Mrs Hardy said my speech at the debate. Was the best she'd ever heard for a boy my age, and she wanted to know what I meant to go in for. She's a great little dame, and has the social end of things down fine. That's one reason I want you to marry me when the time
1: comes, Emily. I've got to have a wife with brains. Don't talk nonsense, Perry, said Emily, haughtily. "'Tisn't nonsense,' said Perry, stubbornly. "'And it's time we settled something.
0: "'You needn't turn up your nose at me because you're a Murray. "'I'll be worth marrying some day, even
1: for a Murray. "'Come, put me out of my misery.' Emily rose disdainfully. She had her dreams, as all girls have the rose-red one of love among them, but Perry Miller had no share in those dreams. I'm not a Murray, and I'm going upstairs. Good night. Wait half a sec, said Perry, with a grin. When the clock strikes eleven, I'm going to kiss you. Emily did not for a moment believe that Perry had the slightest
0: notion of doing anything of the kind, which was foolish of her, for Perry had a habit of always doing what he said
1: he was going to do. But, then, he had never been sentimental. She
0: ignored his remark, but lingered a moment to ask another question about the hardy dinner. Perry did not answer the question. The clock began to strike eleven as she asked it.
1: He flung his legs over the windowsill and stepped into the room. Emily realised too late that he meant what he said.
0: She had only time to duck her head and Perry's hearty, Energetic smack. There was nothing subtle about Perry's
1: kisses. Fell on her ear instead of her cheek. At the very moment Perry kissed her, and before her indignant protest could rush to her lips, two things happened. A gust of wind swept in from the veranda. And blew the
0: little candle out, and the dining room door opened, and Aunt Ruth appeared in the doorway, robed in a pink flannel nightgown, and carrying another candle, the light of which struck upwards with gruesome effect on her set face with its halo of crimping pins. This is one of the places where a conscientious
1: biographer feels that, in the good old phrase, her pen cannot do justice to the scene.
0: Emily and Perry stood as if turned to stone. So
1: for a moment did Aunt Ruth. Aunt Ruth had expected to find Emily there, writing as she
0: had done one night a month previously when Emily had had an inspiration at bedtime, had slipped down to the warm dining room
1: to jot it down in her jimmy book. But this, I must admit, it did look bad. Really,
0: I think we can hardly blame Aunt Ruth for righteous
1: indignation. Aunt Ruth looked at the unlucky pair. What are you doing here? she asked Perry. Stovepipe Town made a mistake. Oh, looking for a round square, said Perry off handedly,
0: his eyes suddenly becoming limpid with mischief and lawless
1: roguery. Perry's impudence. Aunt Ruth called it that, and Really, I think he
0: was impudent, naturally made a bad matter worse.
1: Aunt Ruth turned to Emily. Perhaps you can explain how you came to be here,
0: at this hour, kissing this fellow in the dark. Emily flinched from the crude vulgarity of the question as if Aunt Ruth had struck her. She forgot how much appearances justify Aunt Ruth and let a perverse spirit enter into and possess her. She lifted her head haughtily. I have no explanation to give to such a question, Aunt
1: Ruth. I didn't think you would have. Aunt Ruth gave a disagreeable laugh, through which a thin, discordant note of triumph sounded. One might have thought that, under all her anger, something pleased Aunt Ruth.
0: It is pleasant to be justified in the opinion we have always entertained of anybody. Well, Perhaps you will be so good as to answer some questions.
1: How did this fellow get here? Window, said Perry laconically, seeing that Emily was not going to answer. I was not asking you, sir. Go,
0: said Aunt Ruth, pointing dramatically to the window. I'm not going to stir a step out of this room
1: until I see what you're going to do to Emily, said Perry stubbornly. "I," said Aunt Ruth, with an air of terrible detachment. I'm not going to do anything to Emily. Mrs Dutton, be a good sport, implored Perry coaxingly. It's all my fault, honest. Emily wasn't one bit to blame. You see, it was this way. But Perry was too late. I have asked my
0: niece for an explanation, and she has refused to give it.
1: I do not choose to listen to yours. "'But,' persisted Perry. "'You had better go, Perry,' said Emily, whose face was flying
0: danger signals. She spoke quietly, but the murriest of all Murrays could not have expressed a more definite
1: command. There was a quality in it that Perry dared not disregard.' he meekly scrambled out of the window into the night.
0: Aunt Ruth stepped forward and shut the window. Then, ignoring Emily utterly, she marched her pink-flanneled
1: little figure back upstairs. Emily did not sleep much that night, nor, I admit, did she deserve to. After her
0: sudden anger died away, shame cut her like a whip. She realized that she had behaved very foolishly in refusing an explanation to Aunt Ruth. Aunt Ruth had a right to it when such a situation developed in her own house. No matter how hateful and disagreeable she made her method of demanding it, Of course, she would not have believed a word of it, but Emily, if she had given
1: it, would not have further complicated her false position. Emily fully expected she would be sent home to New Moon in disgrace.
0: Aunt Ruth would stonily decline to keep such a girl any
1: longer in her house. Aunt Elizabeth would agree with her. Aunt Laura would be heartbroken.
0: Would even Cousin Jimmy's loyalty stand the strain?
1: It was a very bitter prospect. No wonder Emily spent a white night.
0: She was so unhappy that every beat of her heart
1: seemed to hurt her. And again I say, most unequivocally, she deserved it. I haven't one word of pity or excuse for her. Chapter 18 Circumstantial Evidence At the Saturday morning breakfast table, Aunt Ruth preserved
0: a stony silence, but she smiled cruelly to herself as she buttered and ate her toast. Anyone might have seen clearly that Aunt Ruth was enjoying
1: herself, and, with equal clearness, that Emily was not. Aunt Ruth passed
0: Emily the toast and marmalade with killing politeness, as if to say, I will not abate one jot or tittle of the proper thing. I may turn you out of my
1: house, but it will be your own fault if you go without your breakfast. After breakfast, Aunt Ruth went up town. Emily suspected
0: that she had gone to telephone to Dr. Burnley a message for New
1: Moon. She expected, when Aunt Ruth returned, to be told to pack her trunk. But still, Aunt Ruth spoke not.
0: In the middle of the afternoon, Cousin Jimmy arrived with the double-seated
1: box sleigh. Aunt Ruth went out and conferred with him. Then she came in and at last broke her silence. Put on your wraps, she said. We are going to New Moon. Emily obeyed mutely. She got into the back seat of the sleigh and Aunt Ruth sat
0: beside Cousin Jimmy in front. Cousin Jimmy looked back at Emily over the collar of his fur coat and said,
1: Hello, pussy, with just a shade too much of cheerful encouragement.
0: Evidently, cousin Jimmy believed something very serious had happened, though he didn't know what. It was not a pleasant drive through the beautiful greys and smokes and pearls of the winter afternoon. The arrival at New
1: Moon was not pleasant either. Aunt Elizabeth looked stern. Aunt Laura looked apprehensive. I have brought Emily here, said Aunt Ruth, because I do not feel that I can deal with her alone. You and Laura, Elizabeth, must pass judgement on her behaviour yourself. So it was to be domestic court with her. Emily, at the bar of justice. Justice? Would she get justice? Well, she would make a fight for it. She flung up her head and the colour rushed back into her face. They were all in the sitting room when she came down from her room. Aunt Elizabeth sat by the table. Aunt Laura was on the sofa, ready to cry.
0: Aunt Ruth was standing on the rug before the fire, looking peevishly at Cousin Jimmy, who. Instead of going to the barn as he should have done, had tied the horse to the orchard fence and had seated himself back in the corner,
1: determined, like Perry, to see what was going to be done to Emily. Ruth was annoyed.
0: she wished Elizabeth would not always insist on admitting Jimmy to family conclaves when he desired to be present. It was absurd to suppose that a grown up child like Jimmy had any
1: right there. Emily did not sit down. She went and stood by the window, where her black
0: head came out against the crimson curtain, as softly and darkly clear as a pine tree against a sunset of spring.
1: Outside, a white, Dead world lay in the chilly twilight of early March.
0: Past the garden and the Lombardy poplars, the fields of new moon looked very lonely and drear,
1: with the intense red streak of lingering sunset beyond them. Emily shivered. Well, said Cousin Jimmy, Let's begin and get it over. Emily must want her supper. When you know what I know about her, you will think she needs something besides supper, said Mrs. Dutton tartly. I know all anyone need know about Emily, retorted Cousin Jimmy. Jimmy Murray. You are an ass, said Aunt Ruth angrily. Well, we're cousins, agreed Cousin Jimmy, pleasantly. Jimmy, be silent, said Elizabeth majestically. Ruth, let us hear what you have to say. Aunt Ruth told the whole story. She stuck to facts, but her manner of telling them made them seem
0: even blacker than they were. She really contrived to make a very ugly story of it, and Emily shivered again as she listened. As the telling proceeded, Aunt Elizabeth's face became harder and colder.
1: Aunt Laura began to cry, and Cousin Jimmy. Began to whistle. He was kissing her neck, concluded Aunt Ruth. Her
0: tone implied that, bad as it was to kiss on ordinary places for kissing, it was a thousandfold more scandalous
1: and disgraceful to kiss the neck. It was my ear, really, murmured Emily with a sudden impish grin she could not check in time. Under all her discomfort and dread, there was something that was standing back and enjoying this. The drama, the comedy of it. But this outbreak of it was most unfortunate. It made her appear flippant and unashamed. Now, I ask you, said Aunt Ruth, throwing out her pudgy hands, if you can expect me to keep a girl like her any longer in my house. No, I don't think we can, said Elizabeth, slowly. Aunt Laura began to sob wildly. Cousin Jimmy brought down the front legs of his chair with a bang. Emily turned from the window and faced them all. I want to explain what happened, Aunt Elizabeth.
0: I think we've heard enough about it, said Aunt Elizabeth, icily.
1: All the more icily because of a certain bitter disappointment that was filling her soul.
0: She had gradually become very fond and proud of Emily, in her reserved, undemonstrative Murray way. To find her capable of such conduct as this was a
1: terrible blow to Aunt Elizabeth. Her very pain made her the more merciless. No. That won't do now, Aunt Elizabeth, said Emily, quietly. I'm too old to be treated like that. You must hear my side of the story. The Murray look was on her face. The look Elizabeth knew and remembered so well of old. She wavered. You had your chance to explain last night snapped Aunt Ruth. And you wouldn't do it. Because I was hurt and angry over your thinking the worst of me, said Emily. Besides, I knew you wouldn't believe me. I would have believed you if you had told the truth, said
0: Aunt Ruth. The reason you wouldn't explain last night was because you couldn't think up an excuse for your conduct on the spur of the moment. You've had time to invent something since, I suppose.
1: Did you ever know Emily to tell a lie? demanded Cousin Jimmy. Mrs Dutton opened her lips to say yes, then
0: closed them again. Suppose Jimmy should demand a specific instance. She felt sure Emily had told her.
1: Fibs. A score of times. But what proof had she of it? Did you? Persisted that abominable Jimmy.
0: I'm not going to be catechized by you. Aunt Ruth turned her back on him. Elizabeth, I've always
1: told you that girl was deep and sly, haven't I? Yes, admitted poor Elizabeth,
0: rather thankful there need be no indecision on that point. Ruth had certainly told her so, times out of
1: number. And doesn't this show I was right? I'm afraid so, Elizabeth Murray felt that it was a very bitter moment for her. Then it is for you to
0: decide what is to be done about the matter, said Ruth triumphantly.
1: Not yet, interposed Cousin Jimmy resolutely. You haven't given
0: Emily the ghost of a chance to explain. That's no fair trial. Now let her talk for ten
1: minutes without interrupting her once. That is only fair, said Elizabeth with sudden resolution. She had a mad, irrational hope that, after all, Emily might be able to clear herself. Oh, well, Mrs Dutton yielded ungraciously and sat herself down with a thud on old Archibald's chair. Now, Emily, tell us what really happened, said Cousin Jimmy. Well, upon my word, exploded Aunt Ruth. You mean to say I didn't tell you what really happened? Cousin Jimmy lifted his hand. Now, now, you had your say. Come, pussy. Emily told her story from beginning to end. Something in it carried
0: conviction. Three of her listeners at least believed her and felt an enormous load lifted from their mind.
1: Even Aunt Ruth, deep down in her heart, knew Emily was telling the truth, but she would not admit it. A very ingenious tale,
0: upon my word she said derisively.
1: Cousin Jimmy got up and walked across the floor. He bent down before Mrs Dutton
0: and thrust his rosy face with its forked beard and
1: childlike brown eyes under his shock of grey curls very close to hers. Ruth Murray he said. Do you remember the story that got around 40 years ago about you and Fred Blair? Do you? Aunt Ruth pushed back her chair. Cousin Jimmy followed her. Do you remember that you were caught in a scrape that looked far worse than this? didn't it? Again, poor Aunt Ruth pushed back her chair. Again, Cousin Jimmy followed. Do you remember how mad you were because people
0: wouldn't believe you? But your father believed you.
1: He had confidence in his own flesh and blood, hadn't he? Aunt Ruth had reached the wall by this time and had to surrender at discretion. I. I remember well enough, she said shortly. Her cheeks were a curdled red. Emily looked at her interestedly. Was Aunt Ruth trying to blush? Ruth Dutton
0: was in fact living over some very miserable months in her long past youth. When she was a girl of 18, she had been trapped in a very ugly
1: situation. And she had been innocent. Absolutely innocent. She had been the
0: helpless victim of a most impish combination of circumstances.
1: Her father had believed her story, and her own family had backed her up. But her
0: contemporaries had believed the evidence of known facts for years.
1: Perhaps believed it yet, if they ever thought about the matter. Ruth Dutton
0: shivered over the remembrance of her suffering under the lash of scandal. She no longer dared to refuse
1: credence to Emily's story, but she could not yield gracefully. Jimmy, she said sharply, will you be good enough to go away and sit down? I suppose Emily is
0: telling the truth. It's a pity she took so long
1: deciding to tell it. And I'm sure that creature was making love to her. No, he was only asking me to marry him, said Emily coolly. You heard three gasps in the room. Aunt Ruth alone was able to speak. Do you intend to, may I ask? No, I've told him so half a dozen times. Well, I'm glad you had that much sense. Stovepipe Town indeed. Stovepipe Town had nothing to do with it. Ten years from now, Perry Miller will be a
0: man whom even a Murray would delight to honour. But he
1: doesn't happen to be the type I fancy, that's all. Could this be Emily? This tall
0: young woman, coolly giving her reasons for refusing an offer
1: of marriage and talking about the types she fancied. Elizabeth, Laura, even Ruth looked at her as if they had never seen her before, and there was a new respect in their eyes. Of course, they knew that Andrew was. Well, in short, that Andrew was. But years must doubtless pass before Andrew would. Well... Would. And now the thing had happened already with another suitor. Happened
0: half a dozen times, mark you. At that moment, although they were quite unconscious of it, they ceased to regard her as a child.
1: At a bound, she had entered their world, and must henceforth be met on equal terms. There could be no more family courts. They felt this, though they did not perceive it. Aunt Ruth's next remark showed it. She spoke almost
0: as if she might have spoken to Laura or Elizabeth, if
1: she had deemed it her duty to admonish them. Just suppose, Emily, if anyone passing had seen Perry Miller sitting in that window at that hour of night. Yes, of course. I see your angle of it perfectly, Aunt Ruth. All I want is to get you to see mine. I was
0: foolish to open the window and talk to Perry. I see that now. I simply didn't think. And then I got so interested in the story of his mishaps at Dr Hardy's dinner
1: that I forgot how time was going. Was Perry Miller to dinner at Dr Hardy's? asked Aunt Elizabeth. This was another staggerer for her. The world. The Murray world
0: must be literally turned upside down if stovepipe town was invited to dinner on queen street at the same moment aunt ruth remembered with a pang of horror that perry miller had seen her in her pink
1: flannel nightgown it hadn't mattered before he had been only the help boy at new moon Now he was Dr. Hardy's guest.
0: Yes, Dr. Hardy thinks he is a very brilliant debater
1: and says he has a future, said Emily. Well, snapped Aunt Ruth, I wish you
0: would stop prowling about my house at all hours, writing novels.
1: If you had been in your bed, As you should have been, this would never have happened. I wasn't writing novels, cried Emily. I've never
0: written a word of fiction since I promised Aunt Elizabeth.
1: I wasn't writing anything. I told you, I just went down to get my Jimmy book. Why couldn't you have left it where it was till morning?" persisted Aunt Ruth. Come, come, said Cousin Jimmy. Don't start up another argument. I want my supper. You girls go and get it. Elizabeth and Laura left the
0: room as meekly as if old Archibald Murray himself had commanded
1: it. After a moment, Ruth followed them. Things had not turned out just as she anticipated, but, after all, she was resigned.
0: It would not have been a nice thing for a scandal like this concerning a Murray to be blown abroad, as must have happened if a verdict of guilty had been found against Emily.
1: So that's settled, said Cousin Jimmy to Emily as the door closed. Emily drew a long breath. The quiet, dignified old room suddenly seemed very beautiful and friendly to her. Yes, thanks to you, she said, springing across it to give him an impetuous hug. Now scold me, Cousin Jimmy. Scold me hard. No, no.
0: But it would have been more prudent not to have opened the window, wouldn't it, now, Puss? Of course it would. But prudence is such a shoddy virtue at times, Cousin
1: Jimmy. One is ashamed of it. One likes to just go ahead and And, and hang the consequences, supplied cousin Jimmy. Something like that, Emily laughed.
0: I hate to go mincing through life, afraid to take a single long step for fear somebody is watching. I want to wave my wild tail and walk by my wild lone."
1: There wasn't a bit of real harm in my opening that window and talking to Perry. There wasn't even any harm in his trying to kiss me. He just did it to tease me. Oh, I hate conventions. As you say, hang consequences. But we can't hang em, pussy. That's just the trouble. They're more likely to hang us. I put
0: it to you, pussy. Suppose there's no harm in supposing it. That you were grown up and married and had a daughter of your age. And you went downstairs one night and found her as Aunt Ruth found you and Perry.
1: Would you like it? Would you be well pleased? Honest now. Emily stared hard at the fire for a moment. No, I wouldn't, she said at last. But then, that's different. I wouldn't know. Cousin Jimmy chuckled. That's the point, pussy, other people can't know, so we've got to watch our step. Oh, I'm only simple Jimmy Murray, but I can see we have to watch our step. Pussy, we're going to have roast spare ribs for supper. A savoury whiff crept in from the kitchen at that very moment. A
0: homely, comfortable odour that had nothing in common with compromising situations and family skeletons.
1: Emily gave Cousin Jimmy another hug. Better a dinner of herbs where Cousin Jimmy is than roast spare ribs and Aunt Ruth therewith. She said,